Welcome in to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scope, and Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Thursday, August 4th edition, uh, Fall Camp Eve, I guess. Is that is that what we call it here, for, day before Fall Camp? Uh, Oregon opens up August 5th. Uh, we've got two position groups left to run through ahead of the start of Fall Camp. Uh, and today we are talking Oregon linebackers. And guys... Um, this is a group that it has a lot of talent. It has a lot of questions. It has a lot of hype. It has a lot of concerns, I, I think, um, with, with this group. But the two biggest names, Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, it starts and probably ends there with, with these two guys. If they're both healthy – they're going to be really, really good. Yeah. No, I think that's that's it. And just to be clear, we're talking inside linebackers today only. So yeah. we're just talking about those two guys. Like Those are the positions in this. You know, I think there's also that maybe we should talk a little about that jack position, which is an outside linebacker that's not a standing edge rush. It's the other outside linebacker, which is – it's complicated when they're when they're going to be playing in like a three four sort of. There's going to be times where it's going to look a little different, but it's a base four two five. So we're primarily talking about the two inside guys, which is the the, the Mac and the Mike um, positions, and that's where Noah plays. That's where Justin plays. And yeah, I, I would agree, Matt. With those guys are both healthy. Um, damn, it could get really exciting. I wouldn't. I mean, after media day yesterday, I went and watched some Justin Flow highlights from high school and. Uh, not that I'd forgotten, but I just wanted to be reminded of what it looks like watching him do stuff. And uh, he does things very well. He's very exciting to watch, extremely explosive, super physical. Um, you know, I, yesterday there were a lot of questions about, uh, well, one of the outlets was asking specifically Justin Flo-centric questions, clearly a, a story coming up on the I-5 corridor on that, um, but just about how he and Noah Sewell complement each other not only on the field, but off of it. And, you know, because we've, we've seen so little of Justin on the field, it's kind of hard to get a feel for the fire he plays with. But you watch his high school tape and you watch specifically a couple of those highlight videos on YouTube. And this guy's an, an animal. And I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the demeanor. And I went and rewatched his interviews, Matt. Yeah, he's kind of soft spoken, you know, not a very. Um, demonstrative person considering when you see like the day before on instagram there's a photo of him a video of him like losing his his mind basically preparing for practice or a workout or maybe it was a photo shoot i don't know something but he's got his uniform on and he's using some not pc pc language not, maybe not pc but he's using like some interesting language to get really fired up about the day's events and then you see him and then you see him afterwards yesterday when he's just kind of pretty mellow and, and goes with the flow and gives pretty thoughtful answers. But this guy is really an intriguing athlete and I'm ecstatic to see him play. If he's not healthy, I don't think it's the end of the world. It's not good because this guy, I think is quite clearly your second best linebacker. I think you could make an argument once the season is over. I'm not going to be surprised if we come away saying, was he their best linebacker just based upon athletic traits and, and, and the pedigree? Obviously, Noah is incredible, but there's a reason why coming out of high school, Flo was the slightly higher, more regarded recruit. Remember, these were the first and second rated linebackers in the entire country um, in their class. I don't think it's absurd to suggest that Flo can have as big an impact, if not more, 
Um, but I, I do think the depth is there this year. I thought the depth was there last year. Last year was just a weird year with a number of injuries. I think it, I, mean, I, I mentioned this before. It gets forgotten almost how many guys got hurt last year. It wasn't just Justin Flo. It was Jackson LaDuke. Um, it was Mathis. It was, I think I'm blanking on another name. You, one of you guys could correct me on it or help me with that. But Jackson LaDuke. I said I said Jackson LaDuke. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was it was basically your 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 guys two through four on the depth chart. Keith well, Brown got hurt for a bit too. Keith Brown had a hamstring injury, which is I think a big part of why Jeffrey Bossa ended up being the full time fill in because Brown just couldn't play at a high level either, and so. Every one of those guys besides Mathis is back. And I just happen to think that unless it's just all happens again, which I would guard against, I think it's going to be a really, really good unit with extremely talented players and starting lineup. And then the second and third guys at those position groups, I think are really talented too. So I'm really high on this group. I, I, I think there's certainly concerns if there are injuries, but I think they can make it work regardless. And this scheme, I don't know how much you want to get into that, will certainly benefit this group too. Yeah, I think this might be the the highest talent talented group on the entire team. Um, I don't really I don't really know what comes close in terms of top end talent because um, I think if if Justin Flo if he has one full good season, I think he's probably a second round pick. Um, I think if he comes back for another season and proves it again, I think he'd be a first round pick. Um, I've seen Noah Sewell only mocked as a first-round pick, um, and I fully expect him to, to be right there. Um, I think Jeffrey Bassa has really improved himself as a linebacker. Um, I think that's just his fit from now on. I don't think there's going to be any more discussion of him going back to safety. Um, I really like Jackson LeDuke. I know he was only a three-star coming out of high school, but um, in the very limited time that we've seen him, I think he's a solid just a linebacker. Uh, Keith Brown was a higher rated recruit, but I think Jackson LeDuc is is probably the better player right now. And obviously he has another year of experience going in. What's up? I have a question for you, Jared. Sorry to cut you off. This is just in my head here. And it was, I just didn't want to let it go because we're probably not going to come back to it. But this is a slight digression. Jamal Hill's eligibility runs out soon. That star position, do we think Bo – I think Boss at some point could fit there almost just as well as he can fit inside. Yeah, but Noah Sewell and Justin Flo are leaving. Could you see a situation where you've got Leduc at one spot, maybe Brown at the other, and Bosses at the star? I think Leduc and uh, Keith Brown both play the Mac linebacker, and Jeffrey Boss is a money linebacker. Okay, I'm just throwing it out there, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it's I don't know. It's interesting. I think I think, I think, I think it's an interesting idea. I think you would really just have to you know bet your hedges on Devin Jackson or Harrison Taggart becoming really really good next year, or the portal. Or the portal, you could do think, that, but I don't think Bossa wants to move. No, I, asked, I wouldn't want to move if I were him either. I asked him like last year at this time you were preparing as a safety, and midway through the year you bumped down to to linebacker, and the, and I I even told him like I understand it's a different coaching staff, but the the whole idea was you would be back at safety at the end of the year. New coaching staff changed, and you just decided decided change uh, stay. And he's like, I saw the success and, you know, everything I had at linebacker and I felt like it was best for me. So, like, I don't I don't think he wants to move back to safety either. I'm not, I'm not saying safety. I'm saying star, which is a hybrid, which right, but, which puts him close to the line of scrimmage. And I think predominantly in this defense, from what I've seen, it's like an extension of a linebacker. 
from yeah, it's like a third linebacker. But I'm, 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 I'm really just throwing stuff out there because that's a year down the line, and we have no idea what this is going to look like from a development perspective. But I, I don't disagree. I, it's, it's, it seems like he's a linebacker. I was just putting it out there because body type. See it. I mean, yeah, it, it's where he was recruited. It was where he was working last year. And I think if he stuck there, I think he would have been good there too. I don't, I don't think it would have been like he's so significantly better as a linebacker that putting him at safety is stupid. I just think, I think, I think he is a better linebacker than he would be a safety. But I don't think that he would. Um, I don't think that he would really sacrifice his game that much if he played star. I think if you put him at like free safety or something like that, that's just not. Yeah. I don't. That's think just not where he fits. He's not a fit there. He's a fit. And he was never a fit there. His plan was always to play the hybrid right. spot. And he was recruited, yeah. and then they moved him inside the spot. So anyway, I just was. It was just a thing I was throwing out there, seeing what your thoughts are. Uh, continue. I apologize. I interrupted and took us down a two-minute tangent. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Um, I was just yeah no. I, just continuing on where I, where I left off, if I remember it, um, I, bet. I think this is I think this is a, just the most talented group on the roster. Um, I, I'm really impressed with Devin Jackson and Harrison Taggart. Um, I think I thought that their high school tapes were were really really good. You know, up until Josh Connerly and Kyla Casper, Devin Jackson was the highest rated recruit to sign with Oregon in the class of 2022. Um, he, he's he's going to be this prototypical mold that I think Dan Lanning and company go after in terms of what they look for in a linebacker. Um, I think he's 6'2". I think he's around 210 pounds now. Um, I don't know what his official weight is because we still don't get those. Um, but he runs really fast. Um, he runs, I, I think it was a sub 1100 meter dash in high school. Um, again, this is, this is going to be the mold. If you look around at all the recruits and what, you know, eventually we'll have this on DuckTerritory.com, but like a, like a takeaway from Media Day, I think for all of us, was um, the attention to speed details in the off-season programs. And some guys are already fast, which is, which is cool. I'll never experience that, but that's all right. And some people have to learn. I think Eric was talking about how Maliki Matavau had to learn how to run again, to run, out, to run faster. And... I think that's that's going to be the mold, and I think this is why. I think this is this could be why Eric went down on his tangent about why Justin Flo is going to be really good, and at the end of the season might be the considerable like number one linebacker over Noah Sewell, depending on if he stays healthy, because this defense and these roles are going to be optimized for guys who can fly around the field. And like you, Eric, I did watch the Fresno State game. Um, and I watched Justin Flo, and I watched him fly around the field. And then after that, I watched the Georgia game, and I said, hmm, mm -hmm. that N'Kobe Dean role, that Quay Walker role, whoever you want, that could be something that Justin Flo fits. And obviously, Taj Lupoi is a defensive coordinator, not Dan Lanning. But I would imagine Dan Lanning has some ideas for his linebackers because that's his position group. And if you go, if, if I implore anybody who's listening to go watch a Georgia game and watch Koi Walker or watch N'Kobe Dean, um, who are both the Georgia's linebackers, and just watch him run around the field. And then take a second, sit back, relax, and envision Noah Sewell and Justin Flo doing the same type of deal. And it, it's very quickly your brain begins turning and starts to think, this, this could be a really good defense if you think about it. And it's because of those two guys and how talented that room is and how the head coach is going to be on them like Mario was on the offensive line and why the offensive line in years past has been 
the one of the best units on the team. I, I think linebacker will will surely be that, and will be that for the down the road as well. I, the guys behind Flo and and Sewell, I, I think those are probably the two odds-on favorites. Jeffrey Bassa has a say in that role a little bit as well, who starts, but. I, I would probably say Flo – I've kind of conceded this, that Flo is probably going to win over and get that job over over Bossa. But you look at those three, and they're going to – I think those it's safe to say those are going to be the three that play a lot. And then everybody else is going to be rotating in. Um, Keith Brown, Jackson LeDuc, uh, you've got Harrison Taggart, you've got Devin Jackson um, for that next three guys. Do we do? Is there much drop off? Like, obviously, there's a huge drop off from Noah and from Flo to that next group. But with Bossa to the other three, that's where I think this group is really good. Like, I think it's it. There's a slight drop off in in production and talent, but they've got some really good guys as their fourth or fifth string linebacker, which. Probably is why Jared thinks this unit's maybe the most talented on the team. Matt, welcome to the dark side with the uh, Flo Bossa thing. Uh, <laughs> I think Leduc is. I'm not sure he hasn't played as much as. And of course, he's played more than Flo, and we're talking about Flo as being superior. But I think that that point's just obvious based upon pedigree and, and athletic intangibles. But like, I think we could by the end of the season feel like Leduc is kind of close to even footing with Bossa. I don't think he's a better player right now. I wouldn't come out and say that. I think Bossa had a great year last year. And I want to make sure like when we're talking about the flow Bossa kind of competition, it's not to be reductive of Bossa. It's just that flows a really special athlete. Um, and I think Bossa, you know, I was talking about moving to other positions. I think he can be great at the current spot he's at right now um, in this defense. There's no question about it. And I think if knock on all the wood you have in your apartments or houses, if, if flow or stool are out, for an extended period of time, I think Bossa would fill in and be very, very serviceable. He did the same thing last year, and the defense wasn't at its, you know, wasn't firing on all cylinders, so to speak, but it was definitely not bad. Um, but I, I think Leduc can become the fourth guy, and you can talk about it as a, as a fearsome foursome kind of thing. The depth after that is where I, I do think it's worth having some concerns because those guys like, just haven't played. I mean, those are two true freshmen we're talking about with Jackson and Taggart. Um, Jared, you focus a little bit more on the defense and I'm more on the offense. Are we are we forgetting any key players from an inside spot? I know Adrian Jackson moved there, but he's transferred since. Actually, just this morning, 24-7 announced he's in the portal. He left the team. Am I – and I'll give you a second to find your notes if you if you, if you need them. But am I am – I, are we forgetting – Go for it. I was – are we forgetting anyone besides Jackson and Taggart after the, you know, Bossa – I think, I think we, oh Keith Brown is obviously is one Keith Brown one. yeah is, is an obvious one we've we've, we've not mentioned there um, I'm sorry I, we talked about it earlier so apologies for not having him obviously in that group but no I I mean Brown Taggart and Jackson Devin Jackson are all really highly regarded young players are all four star recruits I mean Jackson and Taggart are sub eleven hundred guys Heath Brown was one of the highest rated linebacker recruits in the country coming out of his class last year, um, but he had a hamstring injury. So it's like, it's kind of like three guys that are kind of incomplete for me. So, I mean, I, I, here's what I'd say. And Jared, if you've got a couple other names, share them when, when it's your time. But to me, I feel 
really, really good about guys one through four. I think the upside of guys five through seven is really high. I just haven't seen those guys play enough or play at really a high enough level to really know what they are. Um, but I get really excited long-term about the idea of what a Devin Jackson, especially with his athleticism, could do in this defense. We're talking about running sideline to sideline like some of those Georgia linebackers. Like Devin Jackson's definitely in that mold as good size. Certainly he and Tiger both need to put on 10, 20 pounds of weight before they're really ready. Easily, yeah. But those guys are freakishly athletic and can certainly make plays you know, on special teams start to start. So there's a long-winded way of saying I feel good about one through four, and but maybe five through seven I've got not concerns as much as I just haven't really seen those guys playing up. I don't have any more names to add other than Micah Roth, who's a walk-on but is who played last season and is I've actually been sometimes very impressed with during practice. Um, he's just a, he's a really good tackler, and I think he's probably seventh on the depth chart, but – yeah, he was fourth or fifth last season for a long, long, long chunk of the season. So yeah. that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm in agreement, Eric. I think uh, you look at – I like Keith Brown. He just was a true freshman last season thrown onto the field and like, didn't have any real opportunity to, to learn the playbook and learn how to play football at a collegiate level before being thrown out there against Ohio State. And it was like, hey, good luck. Um he also he was hurt, injured. And then he hurts his hamstring, which is yeah. like yeah, the worst, worst, worst thing possible. Worst injury. Yeah. So I still like Keith Brown. I like his body type. I like that he's um, – or at least during the offseason from January to April, that that offseason, he seemed to trim down and kind of get in, in, in more more shape. Um, I want to see what he looks like this season. That's, that's really it. So I'm – but I'm pretty confident in one through five, I guess, at that point. Um, maybe I'm, I'm less confident on Keith Brown just because we haven't really seen him play. And when he did play, he was hurt for a majority of it. So I don't even I – I can't I can't put too much stock into his grades there. Um, but one through four, like we were just saying, with Flo, Sewell, Bossa, Jackson LaDuke, who I'm, who I'm a really big fan of. I think Jackson LaDuke's, like, really good and is going to turn a lot of people's eyes this, this season – I just think he's probably one of the most instinctually sound linebackers on the roster. He's just he's just a linebacker, man. He's just he just goes up and he's got the neck brace on. He just goes up and hits people at the line of scrimmage. He stops the run. I don't think he's that great in pass coverage, but I think as a linebacker of his size, it's kind of hard to be, but that's why you have boss on the field. Um, I think he's going to be good. And I think 1 through 4 is like like Matt was like Matt was saying earlier, the production level when Flo and Sewell were to come off the field, I don't think would drop enough. I don't think it would drop so significantly that it would be an obvious uh, new detail or new wrinkle in the system where if Bossa and LeDuc were out there together, um, that was, you know, like the second string um, defense for all of spring camp and it never really looked like it was an issue. Um, I think that the drop off there isn't that bad, but I think once you get down to, Keith Brown, Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart, I think it would be significantly different only because, you know, none of those guys have really played. And I know we go back to flow and he's never really played too, but the, you know, one of the two games that he's played, he had 14 tackles and a forced fumble. And those 14 tackles are 
more in a game than Noah Sewell's ever had, than any of these other guys have ever had. And it was – he didn't even start the game against Fresno State, and he finished with 14 tackles. Yeah. Um, so that's that's another thing. It's like, yeah, he's an experience too, but it's it's a little different of a story. Um, but, again, this is the, the reason why, like, these guys are all so talented is, is I guess, the reason why I think – this group is so talented and could be one of the best on the team, if not the best. Is there anything that much to touch on? I mean, I think we've, we've pretty much covered this pretty in-depthly. Um, I, I think it's simple just to say that this is a group that there could be one, there could be two All-Americans. There could, there, there could be two first-team All-Pac-12 linebackers. There could be two first or second day NFL draft picks that come off this roster this, this season with Flo and, and Sewell, I guess maybe expand on this just real quick. Could Flo overtake Sewell as the best linebacker, maybe best player on the team? I brought that up a little earlier just because I think it's possible. I mean, it's, I wouldn't bet on it just because I also really, really like Noah Sewell and think he's awesome. I mean, I don't think there's any question. He's right. extremely talented. Um, and I'm also with you. I'm like, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Oregon has like two first team all conference linebackers. I think that's very much on the table. Uh, Flo being second team preseason means he's very much on the radar. I know that's a media vote as opposed to a coach's vote. So sometimes that matters. But no, I I, I think that could happen, you know, and, and, and some, some of it will depend upon. And again, this is where I'm just going to have to learn as the season goes between those, the Mac and the money position of does one of them put you in better positions to make certain types of plays? Is, is one going to be utilized more in terms of getting to the quarterback? So because event, ultimately, and fair or not, um, perception is based, stats based a lot of the yeah. time. And so, like, is one position going to lead one? Like, let's say, for example, the position Sewell's playing, he's just going to get 30 more tackles than flow based purely on personnel based upon system and scheme and the position flows that he's going to get three more tackles for loss or something. I, I'm just throwing that out there. Like if everything's even from a player perspective, some of it could be skewed based upon where they're playing, but mm-hmm. no, I, I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that that could happen. I don't think it's outlandish either. Um, I think Eric and I both touched on it earlier. Um, I know there's a lot of Dustin flow love in this podcast. I think it's all because after media day, there, there was a lot just in general. Um, Noah Sewell is a dog in his own right. Um, he's Oregon's most talented player. He's Oregon's best player this season. He's been arguably one of the top three Oregon players on the team last year and the year before that. Um, he's just, he's an unbelievable linebacker. Uh, he's, he would start on any team across the country. Oregon is, is, is really lucky that they have him the headlining that defense. Um, and again, you know, you, you go what I did yesterday, or you watch the Fresno State game, and then you watch the Georgia game, and you would kind of envision what Noah Sewell would look like out there in the Dan Lanning defense. And it's going to be really fun to watch. And he's going to be an absolute animal this season. I just, you know, I, I, I want him to be as good as possible with Justin Flo to his left or right. And I think if they're both healthy, if they both perform, I think, yeah, they, they could have two people or two linebackers on first team all defense. Um, will the voting let that happen? Probably not, but maybe that's, that's beyond the point. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, 
voting hasn't always gone Oregon's way in the last couple of years. Um, you know, um, but that's going to be a very talented duo. And I think it kind of depends what you like more out of a linebacker, whether you think one is better than the other. Um, Sewell makes a lot of highlight plays, but doesn't really celebrate it. Um, I think Flo is going to make just as many highlight plays, but I think he's going to make a lot of normal plays that look like highlight plays because of how he celebrates it or how the crowd reacts or whatever. Um, he's going to be, if he's healthy, he's going to be almost like must watch television while he's out there on the field, because that's how he was in that Fresno state game. Um, and if you don't believe me, like every single drive against Fresno state uh, while he was out there, he had at least one play where whether it was good or bad, it was a highlight play. And as, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm extremely excited to watch this group. I'm excited to watch Bossa and LeDuc. Um, and during, during fall camp, I'm really interested to watch Devin Jackson and Harrison Taggart. Cause I think those guys could be, you know, the next, the next guys up in terms of who's commanding linebacker for Oregon going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast thank you for listening to the show and until the next one we'll catch you on the odds and audibles podcast talk to you later folks peace